My parents were addicted to drugs, heavily addicted, um, meth, cocaine, heroin, you know, you name it, they were on it. Nathan Sheridan was about four years old when his grandparents took permanent custody of him and his sister. My mother had ended up selling everything in our trailer that we were living in. And, you know, my father coming home, realizing that she had sold everything, they got into a huge fight about it because she had sold everything for drugs. That was the purpose of her doing that. And then she ended up calling my grandparents again and saying, come get the kids or I'm going to drop them off at the police station. And they say that time can heal all wounds. But I can't seem to let the past go. And no swing low, sweet savior. My heart is on the floor, broken into, at least I'm broken with you. Today, Nathan is a Christian singer. In fact, that was him you just heard singing. He's also our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. My co-host, Jim Kirkland, is out this week. Nathan's story is a good example of God working in someone's life through difficult circumstances. And a little later in this episode, Billy Graham is going to talk about that. God's business now is to mold you into the image of Christ so that you will love like he loves, have peace like he has, joy like he has, gentleness like he has. You can learn more about God's work in your life right now at this website findpeacewithgod.net That's findpeacewithgod.net GPS God People Stories The night that my mother said, you know, come get the kids, my grandparents drove from Louisiana. So they drove four hours to come get us in the middle of the night. That wasn't the first time Nathan and his older sister Sarah had gone with his grandparents, but this time it was permanent. Nathan was born in Pensacola, Florida in 1993, and he lived through a lot there in his first four years of life. I don't really remember too many good things at all. Like, I would remember things like my mother coming home because my mother and father fought so much. I mean, physically fought. You know, it wasn't just verbally. It was physical. And, I mean, she would go outside and yell at the neighbors. My dad was a, um, he was a painter and he would he drove like a white painter van that you kind of see and she would talk to the neighbors next door and say hey if you see that van pull up call the police and i remember her doing that several times and uh, she would do that almost every day actually and the neighbors just thought she was crazy i mean she was on on drugs and they would just kind of ignore her just say okay things like that and then i remember coming home and my mother and father just rolling around on the floor like fighting you know um and just crazy things like that. Any good memories that Nathan does have of his life in Pensacola involve his sister. We were always together. That's something I do remember. We were always together. We didn't have any friends. I do remember a time that I actually haven't got to talk about too much, where actually my mother let me and my sister, there was a church right next door um, to our house. And probably still shouldn't have let two kids walk there by themselves. Um, But my sister would let me, you know, hold my hand and take me there. And we would go to that church by ourselves and just go sit down. And, you know, 
I remember like all the people staring at us because we had no supervision. It was the craziest thing. So yeah, she was definitely, she had to have been, even though I was a little too young to understand, I'm sure Sarah was probably, you know, looking out for me in a lot of ways. Sarah was only about six when her mom made that call threatening to drop the kids off at the police station if her mother didn't come get them. And that started a whole new life for Nathan and Sarah in the small town of Pearl River, Louisiana. But it was a life that was going to be upended by tragedy. Shortly after being full-time with my grandparents, you know, and them getting custody of me, having legal custody, my sister came down with a very rare form of brain cancer. So she came down with, you know, a, a terminal illness basically from the start. There was no cure. There was no, you know, real thing that the doctors could do. So they were just pursuing different treatments and things like that. But, uh, it ended up, you know, taking her life. And that was a pretty hard time. I saw my grandparents go through, I mean, hell. I mean, really, it was just like, it was unbelievable trauma for them, unbelievable hurt and pain. Because my mother is my, you know, grandmother's child. So she's going that with her child. And then her granddaughter, you know, is dying. Sarah battled her cancer for about a year. She passed away when she was only eight. For Nathan, that season of his life is like a blur because of how quickly everything happened and because of how young he was. He was five when Sarah got sick and six when she died. I remember trying to figure out what was going on a lot, but also I just kind of had that childlike innocence. I still never really caught on that Sarah was sick, that she was literally dying. I didn't really even know what death was. I do remember my uncle sitting me down outside of the porch, and he may not even remember this, but it was outside on the porch swing and, you know, put his arm around me. And um, he's like, well, you know, Sarah's really, really, you know, sick, Nathan. You know, the doctors, you know, aren't sure she's going to get better. And I said, well, you know, I, I did say this. I vividly remember saying, you know, I'm ready for Sarah to get better. And that's what I said. And I remember him saying, uh, you know, buddy, you know, Sarah's not going to get better, you know, and we just have we have this time with her. And we just need to do what we can to make her comfortable and just love on her. And that was like like hit me really hard in that moment. Even It, it helped me understand what it, what was going on, but I still didn't realize how soon it would be. So I'm I've always been thankful that, you know, he helped me realize that in that moment. And um, it, like I said, soon after that, she passed away. Sister, God, how I miss her. Sometimes it feels like yesterday that we were playing in the yard, counting all the passing cars. But that's been almost 18 years ago. Yeah, God had his reasons, I suppose. Nathan's grandparents were strong Christians, and their faith carried them through the dark times of their grief. Nathan remembers his own faith in Jesus really beginning to develop when he started going to youth group. He was about 12 at the time. We were going to like different different camps, winter retreats and things like that. And I remember going to a student life camp, and I think a big part of it was just getting out and you know, not just the recreational part of camp, but also we would go out and do mission work, you know, in some of the camps. And that was a huge thing for me. Um, really loved doing that. All of those activities were helping Nathan understand what it meant to live a Christ-like life. 
but he still hadn't surrendered his heart to Jesus. That happened when he went with his youth group to see the play Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. For a 14-year-old kid, it's an eye-opening play, and I don't want to say it like scared me, but it, it really just opened my eyes to the fact that it wasn't good enough to just be a good person. You know, there are so many good people, but if you die without Christ, you know, it, it, it won't end up good. And in a way I fell into that thing where, you know, oh, I'm a Christian because my grandparents are Christians, Mm -hmm. you know, and I knew they were, so I'm covered, you know, like a secondary thing, you know, I'm under their covering, but it wasn't like that. And that play made it super clear cut to me. And they presented the gospel in such a way that, you know, a 14 year old could understand and be like, wow, this is really a decision that, you know, I have to make. Like it's a it's the most important decision in my life. And I have to make it like right now is my opportunity and I could leave here and not have another one. So I need to do this now. So that was I mean that's obviously the most pivotal point <laughs> in the story. And there's nothing I could offer. Nothing more that I can bring. This love has overwhelmed me, and it's the reason that I sing. A big part of Nathan's story today is his music. It was about a year after he made his decision to follow Christ that he started learning to play guitar. Then he joined the church's youth band. We would practice and learn some different songs, and I was still learning, and I didn't know I could sing at all. So I... I actually wasn't comfortable singing, so we were looking for actually a female vocalist to like take over, and I just wanted to play rhythm guitar, and you know, but I'm like, I'll just sing in the meantime, and then they were like, I don't think we need to find another um, another vocalist. We think you do just fine. The band played some church youth camps, and it was all a good experience for Nathan, but he had no intention of making music a career. In fact, Nathan didn't know what he wanted to do after high school, so he joined the National Guard, thinking it might eventually help him get into college. Well, that plan went nothing like he was expecting. So I went through basic training uh, for nine weeks and then immediately went to advanced training for another probably three or four months. And then (laughs) it wasn't too long after that that I got received into my unit. We had like this little ceremony where the new recruits come in and, you know, they get their unit patch and things like that. And, you know, the sergeant shook my hand and said, you know, welcome to the unit. And he literally said, by the way, you know, we're deploying to Kuwait in like six months, I think, if that, seven. And I was like, you know, mind blown instantly. The news of the deployment came as Nathan was beginning to fill out college applications and as he was getting to know his new girlfriend, Harley. By the way, Harley and Nathan survived the separation, and today they are happily married. So I was basically gone for, I mean, over a year. You know, and I mean, by the time I got home, me and my wife, we we had been apart more than we had ever been together. So it was like, it was a pretty hard time. It was hard, but it was also a year of deep spiritual growth for Nathan. He had a lot of alone time with God and a lot of time with other Christians. And in addition to growing spiritually, Nathan also grew musically while he was in Kuwait. I ended up getting into worship at the chapel because the unit that was there before, they were leaving. So the entire worship team was going back home 
And so were the chaplains, and it was basically going to be an empty building ready for people to kind of take it over. So two new chaplains came in, and then I went up to them, and I'm like, hey, you know, because I had done some worship stuff, you know, with the band, and I was ready to start playing music again and started up a a worship team and got things going, and we had some great players, man. I mean, there was so much talent, you know, on bass, believe it or not, and um we just started up a team and went for it and we saw attendance just like shoot up. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing thing to see. And we really wanted to, you know, impact the soldiers on base and get them coming to, to chapel. And it was like this one normal thing that they could have, you know, while they were there in this environment. But, you know, for me, it was, it was an amazing experience because that's where, if I can point to any moment in time where I was, kind of floating the idea of maybe doing music professionally it was that time because I was like really cutting my teeth and I mean actually learning how to lead learning you know how to play music how to sing better you know and all these things how to actually be on the stage and how to actually lead people and when I look back I feel like that was why I was there you know the Lord was like just guiding me you know and in an unconventional way and I feel like he does things in a very unconventional way for me it's always been unconventional when it stops being unconventional then it's gonna be weird when Nathan returned home from Kuwait he worked some odd jobs got married to Harley and heard from his old high school friend, Luke. He just got out of Full Sail University, uh, which is an audio engineering you know, um, school, or that's one of the programs they have. And he had just graduated from that, and he said, hey, I want to I wanna record a record. You know, I want to produce something. So he said he was just in California. And this is kind of crazy how God works things out. You know, God put it on his heart. He said he was just at the beach and, you know, God randomly put it on his heart to talk to me about being the first artist that he helped out and produced. And he wanted to do it for free. And so he had his own little booth and uh, he said, let's just do an acoustic, you know, demo album kind of thing. And we'll write 10 songs and go for it. So I did. And that really like just launched me, you know, into wanting to do this. And after that, you know, after cutting that record, you know, I was still working at the time, working different odd jobs and things like that. But after doing that album, I got invited to Nashville. So I got invited to a conference in Nashville called The Objective, uh, where I had a, the chance to perform for some different people. And through that, you know, conference, I actually ended up getting a management deal. It wasn't long after that that Nathan caught the attention of Joseph Rojas. He's with the band Seventh Day Slumber, and he's president of Nashville Label Group. Joseph signed Nathan to his label, and he encouraged him to begin sharing his life story. He talked to me about it, and he said, Nathan, you know, when I look at you, I don't really get, you know, that story. He's like, I look at you, you look at, like the all-American kid, you, have a, you had a great life, you know, and... I have a first impression that isn't really correct. And, you know, that was always a little bit shocking to me. It's like, you know, do people, does everybody think that, you know, when they look at me, it's like, maybe I do need to tell this story. And he really like, even though I was uncomfortable with it, he really pushed me to do that because he really fell in love with the story. 
you know, having a traumatic experience, but finding God through it all. Joseph told Nathan that sharing his story in his songs and from the stage could help bring about healing. And Nathan's found that to be true, not only for himself, but for those listening to him. I have not only kids come up to me every night and telling me, hey, I went through the same exact thing you went through, but I have grandparents coming up to me, aunts and uncles coming up to me saying, hey, I'm raising that child that is going through that. You know, my, my daughter is a drug addict and I'm raising her children. I'm raising my grandchildren. And it's like every single time somebody says, comes up to me and says that, I'm still a bit, you know, taken back by it. One song in particular tells the story of Nathan's life. It's called Broken With You. A line in the song, you know, I, I say, you know, it's time for the healing. It's time to let the past go. And I wrote that song in about 10 or 15 minutes. And man, in that moment, really after writing that song, it was just like this thing just came over me. You know, it's just like the peace of God just coming over me. And, you know, and he just covered me in that moment and just said, hey, just give it all over to me and I'll give you the peace you're looking for. You know, and even in these broken moments, I'm still right here with you. You know, even in there, during those times, I was right there with you. And he's like, you know, I've never left, you know, and I've always been patiently waiting for you. You know, and I, I wrote those lines in the song, you know, he's patiently waiting. He's never left. But he is patiently waiting. No, he never left. He is guiding every And I fully believe that. He's never left my side. Everything I have right now is because of him, and everything I'm ever going to have is because of him. So I fully do trust God now, and I, you know, I have faith, you know, that everything, you know, through all those broken things, it's all led up to this moment. It's all worked together for the good, you know, and that's, you know, that's God's word right there. You know, he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. So what about you? Are you ready to trust your entire life to Jesus Christ the way Nathan has? You can learn more about that at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, you're going to hear Nathan talk about trusting God with the future and appreciating the present. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories a production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Now, what I would like to say to young people tonight is, all you need is God. Billy Graham. It boggles the mind what God has, and yet he knows you and he loves you, and he's interested in you, and he'll go with you from this stadium to lead a whole new life that you never knew existed before. But you've got to be willing to pay the price, and here's the price. 
It's got to be all-out commitment. Now, God's business now is to mold you into the image of Christ so that you will love like He loves, have peace like He has, joy like He has, gentleness like He has. Are you one of God's children tonight? Have you received Him into your heart and life? You can listen to the rest of that message by visiting the Billy Graham Audio Archives. Just go to BillyGrahamRadio.org, click on the Billy Graham Audio Archives, and then search for God plus you. BillyGrahamRadio.org, by the way, is also a good place to listen to this episode of GPS and all of our episodes, for that matter. You can share episodes from there and leave comments. The address, again, is BillyGrahamRadio.org. You heard Nathan Sheridan talk earlier about his deployment with the National Guard to Kuwait. One of the spiritual lessons he learned during those nine months was to trust God with the future and appreciate the present. I didn't know how this was all going to unfold, but I knew that this is what he had for me right now. And it's super hard to live in the now. It's so hard to live in the right here, right now. This is all you have right here. And it's like, I had to learn how to appreciate what I had right then, what God had given me right then. And that is a struggle, I think, with a lot of people because I had to learn how to just trust God and how to, you know, know that he was, he had a plan for me. I was there for a reason and not to worry about the future. Just worry about here now, worry about the soldiers, worry about the, you know, leading worship and just, you know, doing what he had for me. We want to thank Nathan Sheridan for sharing with us his story and how God has been working in his life. We also want to thank him for allowing us to use some of his music in this episode. And of course, we want to thank you for listening. I'm Phil Fleischman. This is GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Oh, no.